Yes, yes. Hey, you ready? Yes, ma'am. Finally, finally, we ready. Check, check, check the places at a time. It's now. You are turning right. to the lunch table. You got to save on the mic. Special guest returning. Please okay. tell the people who okay. you are, Miss Candidate. Hey. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? We doing well. well. We could be doing better due to the circumstances going on in America today, but how you doing? I'm doing fine, and I agree with you. Um, well, I guess I'll introduce myself. I'm Francine Mathis. I am candidate for State House Representative for District 1. I'm also the founder of Just Mercy Group, and I will talk about that today. This is one of my new projects yes, that I have started. Um, so, um, my Just Mercy, I'm going to talk about that first, if I may. Yes, ma'am. Basically, what it is, it's an organization where I help wrongfully convicted uh, gentlemen um, or over-sentenced. Um, we are currently, I'm, I currently am fighting for uh, Ricky Goldsmith, uh, a gentleman named Joe Jenkins Jr., uh, Ontario mm -hmm. Turner. Mm -hmm. um, we are, the families are fighting hard along with me. We are um, actually going to Tallahassee in June, which is next month, a couple of days from now. And we invite other members, other family members to join in, in this group. If you have a loved one that has been over-sentenced or wrongfully convicted, um, also Lou Kane, I'm pretty sure y'all know Lou Kane, um, mm -hmm. a baby from Lincoln Park as well. He's a part of my group too, uh, De'Aaron Kirkland, they call him Chip. Okay. Um, all those men were wrongfully convicted, over sentenced. Um, what we are going to Tallahassee for is because I have written a letter to our attorney general about our state's attorney's office and how they overlooked a lot of things in court and mm -hmm. did not let it come out in court. Mm -hmm. And it's just time for the truth to be told. It's time for everything to come out in court. It's time for them to have a fair day in court. So everything can come out and have a real peer, you know, jury of their peers. Because yes. I don't know where people come from with these yeah. jurors. When you have a person that's 19 and 20 or 22 years old, and you have a jury box of elderly white people, maybe one black person that's biased. probably in their 40s, how is that a jury of your peers? Not at all. I don't understand that. That's a, That concept just really blows my mind. And that's what happened to a lot of these people. I even read one guy's transcript where they said homeboy. Somebody was on the stage and said, that's my homeboy. And the jury, one a couple of the jury members said, well, can they explain to us what's a homeboy? Is that like a gang? No, they, they, they could have been serious. They didn't even understand the language that the, that they used yeah. because these gentlemen was 20 and 22 years old. Yeah. A couple of these guys was 19. You know, De'Aaron Kirkland, he was a minor. They, they direct filed him to an adult at 15 years old. Mm. So, you know, none of those people was, uh, there was not a jury of his peers, no, you know. Whatsoever. So that's one thing we really need to straighten out in our judicial system. You know, um, we need to get that straight. As far as our state's attorney's office, we can tell that they're biased all day long because even with this situation with the young African-American female where the white father hits this 14-year-old black girl in the face and they don't even want, they didn't even want to press charges or, or you know, have a court trial mm -hmm. or anything. So how is that? How is that justice for anybody where his daughter was fighting another young lady and they were both fighting? It ain't like the young lady was just whooping on his daughter and she wasn't fighting back. No, they were fighting. Yes. And he jumps in it, calls himself breaking it up, and then punches the young black girl in the face. Mm. Where is it ever okay for an adult to hit a child? That, that's not theirs. It's not. He wasn't even showing no adult behavior with this. If he was going to break up the fight, he should have broke up the fight, made the children go home or what have you, but you don't put your hands on a child. Mm. That's, that has turned into a whole nother level because I'm going to tell you 
if that was an African-American man that broke up a fight and hit a white Caucasian girl in the face, he would be under the jail. Yes, ma'am. And that is the truth, and you know it. And that's just, even with what's happening now, I can't breathe. How many, where have you ever seen a white person say, I can't breathe? They're not going to handle them up long enough for them not to breathe. Thank you. And they, and you know, but see, what's going to happen if they do not stop all this over-policing, because that is exactly what's happening, people are going to start fighting and shooting back, and then we're really going to have a problem. I think we need you know? I think we need police for the police, like how the Black Panther Party was back in the day, how they would, like, travel around and watch for wrongdoings for police. That's it, right. That's right. And, and don't just film it. Help them. When yeah. you see an officer got their knee in somebody's throat and finna kill somebody, don't just film it. Have somebody filming it while five or six other people trying to help get him off his throat so at least that person can live. And it's, you brought up a good point when you said five or six because one or two ain't going to do it. They got to show that we really no. mean numbers. Really mean business mm-hmm. with our numbers. We really mean what we're saying and doing, and that's why my Jazz Mercy group is going to Tallahassee, because we mean what we say and we're saying what we mean, that not only do we want Pensacola to stand up and join us, because we have too many black and brown men sitting in prison that was wrongfully convicted, and something needs to happen. Something needs to turn around. It really does. And, you know, it kills me when Bill Edens get on TV with this little smirk he has on his face mm. because like he knows that he's wrong. He knows that he's done wrong. And, and you know, just because you have the power doesn't mean you have to use it in a destructive force and in a destructive way. The gentleman, um, Mr. Jenkins, that we are helping, Joe Jenkins, a.k.a. Lucy, um, you know, he had people to actually come to court, you know, come to court and literally and, and, and tell the jury this was not the guy that killed this gentleman, that killed the person that died. Hmm. He had a bunch of people to say that, hey, he did not kill this gentleman. There was an eyewitness that did not know him, did not know nobody out there that day, that night. That actually said that he was a white man, an older white man, was an eyewitness. When the police came, he said, you know, he described what he, who he seen and what he seen. And then they asked, the police asked him, was it him? And he says, no, that wasn't him. Mm-mm. And what? he described who he seen, but the state's attorney's office never, never summons him to do a deposition. They took what he said and swept it under the rug. Miss Francine, I mean, and that's, that's what they do. Is there is there a way? Because it seems like you all, you all have gathered a lot of information and evidence on this case. Is there a way you can take all of this and go to like a a, a black attorney or law firm and, and we all get together and really move on this? Well, that's that's what I'm trying to do now. I'm trying to get the community behind me. That's why I started this. Yes, mercy. Because I want other family members to get behind me, and these other family members can get behind them. Everybody getting behind one another. And that's why we're going to Tallahassee. And that's why I tell people this. I say, listen, I don't know what's going to happen when we go there. I don't. Because, as you know, the Capitol doors are closed, and they're not letting people in. But except the workers, and they have a card that they slide it and going into it. But guess what? As you're standing on the Capitol steps and you're taking pictures of of of, of your signs of your loved ones, and and what I've done is made flyers and and wrote up a little something about that person and the pointers of how we know that this person is innocent and what the state attorney's office did not do and what they could have done but they didn't do. We're gonna put we're gonna we're gonna package all of those things up. And as people coming by us going into the Capitol that works there, we're gonna be handing them those those packs about these mm-hmm. men who was wrongfully convicted. And as mm-hmm. you know, there are several attorneys and law firms in Tallahassee and we're going to walk. We're not gonna ride, we're gonna walk so people will see us with our sign marching and walking 
in Tallahassee, and we are going to go by each and every one of those law firms and put those packs out. And if someone stops us and says, well, tell me about what you're doing, about some of the gentlemen that you're trying to help, then I will speak on it and I will point at their family members and let them come and speak on it even more. Um, we have T-shirts that says Just Mercy. Each family has a different color. And the reason why we've done this is because we want people to see the different families that has been, I mean, I, I, I won't say destroyed, but has been affected by the, by the ineffective counsel, yeah. by the ineffective Negatively practice that the state attorneys have done to their family member. Yes, ma'am. So that's what we're doing when we go to Tallahassee. We're going to be... We're going to be voicing. We're going to be our, our loved one's voice. We are going to stand up for our loved ones. And like I tell people, I don't know what's going to happen when we get there. I don't know who we're going to see, but we're going to see somebody. Mm. I don't know who we're going to talk to, but we're going to talk to somebody. And, you know, when you're fighting for your loved one like this, it doesn't matter. Because you, you could be putting a packet in somebody's hand that can call you a day or two from now and say, hey, I, I got the package you gave me, and I'm, I'm interested. I want to help. You and, I, I understand. And that, it, it hurts mm -hmm. me still. Listening to all this, it, it still hurts me because it's the miles and how far we have to go and how much we have to do to ask to be equal and, and integrated in a society that, that, wasn't, that wasn't designed for us to be equal in the first place. It, just, it, it really hurts my feelings the lengths that we have to go to ask to be equal in this system that wasn't even designed for us in the first place. It's like, I wish there were more alternative routes. Cause like I said, it seems like amongst us, and when I say us, I mean me, you, Just Mercy and everything, it seems like we have enough plausible evidence to exonerate these young men. And what I'm saying is why, ha why hasn't there been a law firm, a black attorney that's willing to take this on and, and really put this on their backs. Because like I say, we need more of us to help us. I agree with you thoroughly. And that's what that's what I'm hoping for. You know, I'm I'm hoping for some of these uh, black attorneys will step up and say, hey, I've, I've made money. You know, I've made money. Now it's time for me to give back. Okay. And they link with me. And they try to give back as much as possible. They they come in and they help fight these cases as a paralegal. I have went through these cases. I have highlighted things. I have looked at things. I have found people that were witnesses. You know, I I have I have talked to people that witnessed things, and they're saying, you know, it 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 amazes me when I hear people say. You know, I tried to go to court and speak up for him, but the, the, the prosecutor was like, threatened us and said, if we don't stop and back down from trying to help him, we him will get in trouble. They will make things happen to us. So they, they pushed us down from speaking up and telling the truth for him because they didn't want the truth to come out. Now, if it was something that, was bad, or they were ready for that, but we had nothing bad to say about them because they didn't do it. And they did everything they could to try to stop us, but what could we do? We couldn't make them, you know, subpoena us to come to court to speak on his behalf, and they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't allow it. You know, there was an investigator when all of this first happened that looked at this gentleman and said, I know that you didn't commit this crime. I know that you didn't do this, but I need for you to tell me more. And he was like, that's your job. <laughs> you know? Uh, sorry, so uh, it's a policeman like, said that? Because he wouldn't do what this man wanted him to do, and now he's serving a life sentence. It sounded like some snake shit from, because, the, from the jump. Huh? It sounded like it sounded like some snake shit from the jump. Like I, I wouldn't trust I wouldn't trust any law enforcement to give me some type of deal no. like that. If you if you if you know I'm innocent, then I shouldn't be investigated. I shouldn't be in handcuffs. I should be exonerated now. So yeah, I don't I don't trust anything policemen say. That and and, and he didn't and he didn't you know and and I don't blame him. 
Look at what we're going through now. Look at what we have. Exactly. Look at what what's going on now. Exactly. Uh, history repeats itself once again. And like I say, my my feelings my feelings are hurt for with, my feelings are hurt observing the aftermath. Because with the marching and and the rallying and the, and the protests, it's like we've been doing that for a hundred years. I I don't provoke I don't provoke violence unless violence provoke us first. So I'm it's all right. for. Like this man did not have to die. I feel like if we are gonna mobilize, then let's let let's do it in a in a strategic way. I'm and I'm gonna it. tell you something, and and I don't mean to interrupt. No, you But good. I see what the people are doing, and I'm not disagreeing with it at all. But what I do say is this: we have to be consistent with whatever we do. Exactly. It can't be a thing of this is a hot topic now, so exactly. now we're gonna fight for this. Exactly. And then two or three weeks later, you don't hear about it no more because all of the hype has gone away and now something else has happened. So now we're going to jump on that. Exactly. That ain't what this needs to be. This needs to be consistency. And that's what I just had a meeting with everybody that is with Just Mercy. This is not the hype. This is not a hype. Whatsoever. This is consistency. This is fighting for people's lives. And asking for mercy and justice because they deserve that. Yeah. And this is not a hype. This is not a scheme, a hype. This is none of that. Yeah. This is to get people free from prison that do not deserve to be there. People that have life sentences, people that have 30 and 40 years for something that they didn't even do. And they had the proof that they didn't do it, but they really didn't have what it took to find them guilty, but when you're not able to show everything and you're only showing what you want them to show, because we all know that a lot of times when you have public defenders, they're not they going to fight you. They don't do their they're job not even, yeah. I mean, they're paid by the state. Yeah. The state pays them. Exactly. So they're not going to fight hard for you at no. all. And all of the truth, it will not be told. This young man said, he sat in court with his public defender, and he said that he was sitting there looking at him like, say something, do something. Yeah. He, was, he said, I just felt like I was sitting in court alone. by myself alone. with no one. And that, that is and how it is. Being said. That's exactly how it is, though. It really is, and and I think it's terrible, and that's why this group exists, because we want people to know that there is a problem in our judicial system, which I think we already know that, but what we need to do is we have to... We have to come together. We have to build an infrastructure with one another. We have to come together, and we have to, to, to fight. We have to fight, and you have to be the voice for your loved one because when these gentlemen are locked up, they have no voice, and no one is listening to them. So you have to be that voice for your loved one. You have to be that advocate for your loved one. And I'll tell anybody, you know, whatever I can do, to push this, I will, and mm-hmm. I will give a person the tools all day long, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to build your house. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is mm-hmm. I will help you write up articles. I will help you get out there and canvas the streets and put these things out for mm-hmm. people to see what has happened to your loved one, for people to hear your, your voice. I will take you to places that I know attorneys are and where attorneys be. I will do all of those things. But what I'm not going to do is be your your child's only advocate. You have to help your child. You have to help your loved one. Because if you don't do it, who's going to do it? And that's why I came up with this group. And I want more families to join in. I want more people to join in. Because it's one thing I've come to realize, and I think you, you agree with this, you don't know where you're going until you know where you're being. Of course. Back in the 40s and 50s, yes. they didn't know how things was going to turn out, but they marched. They gathered up as a group, and when they wanted something, they marched. And they got it. And they got it. They paved the way for us to vote. They paved the way for us to go into restaurants. They paved the way for us to have jobs that we never thought that we would ever be able to have. And I want to say this, they paved the way for me because I I will be, because I'm, I'm going to go on and claim that seat in Tallahassee. 
Mm-hmm. When I win that seat for State House Representative for District 1, I will be the first African-American female to sit in that seat. I heard that. When I, when I win the primary in August, I'll be the first African-American female to win the primary for State House District 1. Yeah, because yeah. I will win that primary, and I will win the general election and get that seat. Because yes, ma'am. the same things we've been fighting for to happen for us in District 1, we still fighting for the same thing. And that's sad. And that's economical and developmental growth, more educational opportunities, clean water, because the water is so tos- toxic and disgusting until it's a shame. And people are dying left and right from this toxic water. Yes. And now with the coronavirus, it is only two, three times worse. And I say I am so tired of our state rep we have now. He has gotten too comfortable with people dying in his district. Mm. He has gotten too comfortable with over-policing in his district. He has gotten too comfortable with no educational opportunities for certain parts of his district. Because let me tell you, when this coronavirus hit and they had to shut the schools down, the North End, they didn't know what they was going to do for those children for learning because a lot of them are so uneconomically developed and economically, you know, they're poor. It was a very poor town. You got Century, Molino, Quintet. Some of them places couldn't even, they didn't even have internet access for them to get Chromebooks, for them to be able to do their lesson off of. Mm. We had to put together packets and knock on people's doors to give their children their lesson, their homework. And that's why Cox Table decided to join in and give free internet to low-income people and then for their children so they can be able to get Chromebooks to be able to do their lesson. In the year of 2020, that should not be happening. Mm -hmm. That should not be happening. We should have enough economical growth in our district to where every child, and, and they got this thing where no child will be left behind. Well, I'm sorry, but a lot of children are being left behind. Yeah, and it shouldn't be that way. It's systematically and designed we, for us to be left mm-hmm. behind. It is systematically designed for a lot of us to be left behind. I yes, mean, I, I and mean. you know, it's designed for these children to fail, especially in the poor areas. Mm-hmm. Especially in the poor areas. Yes, because they don't have the resources that other children have. And that's why I said, when, you know, when people ask me, why are you running this race? I'm running this race, not for Francine Mathis, but for the people. And the reason why I say that is because these people need someone who understands that we need economical growth, that we need better paying wage jobs. We need more development. We need a cleaner environment so people can quit being sick and people can quit dying. People can be healthy and people can live and people can be able to help with reforming this judicial system. People can help with this economical growth that we need. And we need to get a good infrastructure with these companies that is hiring in District 1. Navy Federal is hiring people, but guess what? You have to have that education behind you, though, to get those type of jobs. And without a good educational opportunity, you will miss being able to grab a job like Navy Federal, you know? But that's why we need to build an infrastructure with those companies and say, hey, what are you looking for in the people that you're hiring? Okay, when we find that out, then we get these tech schools to come out into the northeast side, which is Cantonment, Molino, mm-hmm. Quintet, Century. And we teach those type of trades. If it's more computer skills, we Mm -hmm. teach them that. That's why we need to find out what are these companies looking for and build a connection with these companies so we can find out what they need to be able to hire more people, what will keep them going and not have such a big turnover. And a lot of times it's just daycare. You see what I'm saying? And if we was to get with those companies and help them to build daycares right there on the premises, 
then these people will feel, the workers will feel more comfortable, you know what I'm saying, working there because their children is safe. And we definitely need to have safer environments for these children so parents can go to work and they can feel safe with going to work and leaving their kids at this particular daycare because this daycare, you know, have sufficient workers with certifications because that, that job's right there too. So that's why I'm running for this election to try to build and grow my district more economical, more educational opportunities. I mean, you know, we have a lot to work on in District 1. And I am ready for the task, and I'm ready to take that task to Tallahassee right, and right. do everything I can to make this district what it needs to be and to have a better, a better sense of development and equality and justice and, and a safer environment and definitely a healthier environment yes. for the people of District 1. Yes. And that's why I'm running this race. And my family lives in District 1. My friends, my loved ones. So when you are fighting for people that you love, you're going to fight extra hard. And that's why I fight extra hard for this district. Well, yes, ma'am. You already know the lunch table is behind you. And I just want to say once again, rest in peace, George Floyd. Yes, yes. That 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 was I seen that on Facebook and I tell you that touched my heart and I have never in my life seen I mean, within the last couple of years we've had police officers that just straight murder people, you know that? Yes, ma'am. But yet it's still their job is to save to save the public public safety. Protect, but they are the murderers. The, the the table has turned. Now we've got to come together and save ourselves from them. Even deep, how do, how do, I, was, I was just going to say even deeper than that, us as black people, we have to reestablish our intrinsic value so that the other people don't doesn't see that we're just this worthless object to dispose of. That's true. And, and it's so sad that we have, we have and I'll tell you the, the saddest part about it, we have black people that are in certain positions in power that can change some things, mm. but they don't. And I'm thinking, are they scared? Is it something that's holding them back? I think it's a lot what of people scared. What is going on here? It's a lot of people scared, scared, scared for their, their jobs or, or who their boss is. But yeah, we, we have liberty, but we're not, we're not free. We're not free yet. And, and no, until, you're, you're until, right. Uh, until we, until we really, until we really come together and mobilize and, and come up with a strategic plan on how we can lib like liberate ourselves, marching is only going to go with so much. You and, know, and, my and, and thing I'm, and I'm, is, I'm sad, is, and, and it hurts me. It hurts me even say that. You know, consistency. That's yeah. what it takes. It's going to take consistency with the people because it's going to take the people to turn some things around. Yes. And that's why I even say in this just mercy group that I have, it's going to take consistency. Yes. No one knows how something is going to, to take place or happen. But what I tell people is this, if you sit here and you do nothing, then you will accomplish nothing. But if you get up and you do something, then something will happen. Yes, ma'am. And someone will see. And that's why I, I go to Tallahassee and I and I and I speak upon these things and I march and I talk about these things because like I tell my group of people, when we go to Tallahassee in June, I don't know what's gonna happen, I don't know who we're gonna see, but if we just sit here in Pensacola and we do nothing yes. and just expect people here to mm. do everything, nothing's gonna happen. Yes, ma'am. We've got to get sometimes you have to get out of your comfort zone mm -hmm. to make something happen. And once you get out your comfort zone, a lot of times you start seeing things happening and it's like, well, you know, you're not in your comfort zone anymore. Now you're really achieving something and you're really doing something. Because if you just sit around in the same circle all the time, you're not going to be achieving nothing in that circle because that's the only people you're talking to. They're the only people you're communicating with. 
Okay, you've got to get away from that. And you've got to get out there and get out of your comfort zone to sometimes get the things that you need to get. And that's why I try to push people. I try to push people to get out of their comfort zone. I push myself to get out of my comfort zone. And a lot of times when I get out of my comfort zone, I see things just turning and I see things moving. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what I want people to know. I also want to bring attention to one more thing. Mm -hmm. My Just Mercy group, we are going to be giving out over 100 masks, hand sanitizers to the elder. We're going to be going to a couple of the elder community centers where they go and play bingo or whatever they do. And we're going to be setting up and we're going to give them information about COVID-19. We're going to give out face masks, hand sanitizers, because I want people to know this. Just because our governor has taken off restrictions in Florida and opened back up the state, that doesn't mean this virus is gone. Mm. What's going to happen now is more people are going to get this virus because mm. they feel like, oh, it's all good. And I was out just today, and I noticed a lot of people didn't have on a mask. A lot of people was not social distance. They was just happy-go-lucky. And I'm telling you, we don't have a cure for this virus yet. I am a healthcare worker. We have two COVID unit, units where I work at. And I'm going to tell you now, this virus is real and it's serious. And when people come out of that particular unit, the COVID unit, they got to be, if they go somewhere, let's say that, let's say they got to leave our facility to go to the hospital, go to another hospital, mm-hmm. and then they come back. We quarantine them for 14 days to make sure that they're okay. Our whole facility has just gotten tested for the COVID-19. The staff members, uh, the residents, everybody. Mm. This thing is serious and it's killing people. And you must take heed to washing your hands, wearing your face mask in public, you know, stay in social distance. You must do that. And your mask helps protect and save my life. And my mask helps and protects you to save your life. So if you don't care about you, care about somebody else, and put your face mask on when you're out in public. You know, uh, that's another reason why Jess Mercy is fighting, because the prison systems is not testing these guys in prison. Isn't that tragic? That is a tragedy. Yes. (laughs) They're not testing them. And the only test that they're giving the COs is when they come in, they do a little screening, ask you a couple questions, make sure you don't have a fever. But a lot of people have died from COVID-19 and had no symptoms at all. Mm. You have our prison system now is being flushed with infected and flushed over with this COVID-19. Especially because of the recycled air. And and it's and it's sad because when these gentlemen get out of prison, not knowing if they have this this, this virus or not, you know the first thing they want to do is hug on grandma, mm. hug on mom, and those are the two age groups that are at risk the most of catching it and dying, and that people are trying to keep the safest is is the elderly people. Mm. We are going to have and, and people asking why. Why do we care about the prisons being tested? They're not out here. But guess what? They're going to come out here. They're going to come home. And when they come home and we think that we done got this thing all cleared up, we're going to be in the same pandemic all over again because you're going to have hundreds of guys coming home in the next couple of years. And then guess what's going to happen? You're going to start hearing COVID-19 all over again because it's going to start spreading very rapidly again in our communities because we didn't take the time to test them and and give them the proper equipment that they need to be able to survive in the prison system, you know, so they won't catch it. I know you heard about Sentry not having any water a couple of weeks ago. Oh, the entire prison did not have any water. Wow. I didn't know they that. They gave those... Yes, they gave those guys eight bottles of water, eight bottles of water to cook whatever they were going to cook with, wash their hands, take Uh, showers. That's impossible. Impossible, totally. But they did it. And and it's like, when I heard about it, then all of a sudden they said, well, they got a water pump pumping water to the kitchen. 
And then one guy contacted me from Century and said, we don't have water even flush the toilets. So urine and feces has been in these toilets for a couple of days now. Mm-hmm. And that's the type of stuff we have to deal with. And there is, of course, no social distance in those prisons. So I immediately contacted We Are TV3, of course, and they did a, they went out there and they did a, a, a news broadcasting on it. And I guarantee you, um, they had water starting to pump water and getting water in the pods the next day. And that's, and, and see, that proves to you right there when, when you are consistent with something and you pull the media in and you show them that you're not playing, you show them you're for real, you will definitely see results. But you have to be consistent. And, you know, we're going to continue being consistent about getting these inmates tested because the COs definitely need to be tested because that's how it came into the prisons in the first place. Because the prisoners wasn't going anywhere. Where were they going? Nowhere. But the, the, the COs, they were going home. They were getting out in the public. They were around several different people. And then they come back into the prison, and they, they started to infect the inmates. And now it's just a, it's just a, 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 a circle, a, a cycle of a virus in there. Because the the masks that they do wear are old shirts that they have worn a thousand and one time, and they can't wear them anymore. So they cut them up and they made masks out of them for the inmates. That still ain't sanitary. Mm, not at all. That's that's not sanitary at all. So that's another thing that my Just Mercy group is fighting for to be able to get these prisoners tested, because a lot of them. You know, they didn't receive a death sentence, but because the COVID-19 has entered our prison facilities, now they're living a death sentence. And most of them was wrongfully convicted or over-sentenced and shouldn't even be there anyway. So, you know, that's two things or three things they're dealing with. Wrongfully conviction, trying their best to do everything they can to survive this COVID-19, and plus, Hope and pray that somebody's out here advocating for them so they can come home. Mm-hmm. That's a lot for a person to have on their mind, don't you think? Yes, <laughs> so um, that's why I do what I do. And I just hope and pray that we stay consistent with fighting for this young man that was just killed and murdered by that police officer. Yes, because I'm praying, and I haven't really looked at you know, the news to try to see, but I am going to pull it up and do some research. But I hope they convict this man. I mean, him and, you and know the rest of, him and the rest of the cops that were with him subduing that man. I believe that I believe they all they all should have some action done against him. Yes. But that man that had his knee on his neck should be should be in jail for murder. I do believe that. Yes. Yes, I do, too. Uh, I believe um, I believe if it was one of us. And we would have been fighting somebody because that's what he did. He fought the man and wrapped him to the ground and mm-hmm. handcuffed him. <clears throat> I believe if that was one of us that did somebody like that and had their knee in their throat and in their back and killed them, they would be sitting in prison, sitting in jail right now for murder. No question. Capital murder at that. <laughs> because that was very harsh, what he done. And the man was sitting there telling him, I can't breathe. Literally. I can't breathe. Literally. And you're you're still doing it. He needs to go to he needs he needs to face his peers in the court of law and let's see how his peers will be with him. But he needs to be he needs to be number one, fired of course. Number two, he needs to be arrested and prosecuted to the fullest. And I do believe that. And maybe that will make some of these other officers stop and think twice before they go sticking their knee in somebody's throat and in their back mm-hmm. and and being very hostile and brutal to them. Yes, ma'am. I think, and, um, like I said, I think it's deeper than that. I think it's deeper than that. They just have to know when they see us that we have value. You just can't do that to one of us. That's right. And they, and they and, and I hope and pray that they it gets to the point that they know when they see us that they know that I'm not going to touch them because I know that their people is going to come for me. 
Exactly. <laughs> they're exactly. coming for it and they're coming strong. Exactly. And that's that's the presence we need to have. Not only are we coming, but we're coming strong. And not only are we coming strong, but we're coming with knowledge. Exactly. We're coming with knowledge. Because Thanks. see, when you come with knowledge, you come with strength and courage. There's nothing they can possibly do because just think about it. If we come together like we really should come together, we can we can just be so strong until it's a shame. Yes. And, and it can happen. It can happen. But once again, it got to be consistency. And it, it has to be a leader and somebody got to be willing to follow. And I think that's always our biggest problem. No, everybody want to be chiefs and don't nobody want to be Indians, you know? Yeah. And I think if if we if we just if we just you know overlook the fact that hey I'm not in charge somebody else is but I'm a part of the movement of what we're doing to make things better I think things will be a lot better you know that it will be a lot better if we just yeah. let somebody be the leader yes, and we follow yes, because I guarantee you this out in those streets when you're doing wrong. You following somebody that ain't right, but you're willing to follow what's wrong instead of following somebody that's trying to teach you right. That don't make sense to me. Me either. <laughs> but mm. I know it happens all the time. But um, I want to thank you for always allowing me to come on and you're speak welcome. on my topics that I'm dealing with and working with with the people. I want to thank you for having this show yes, so people can be uh, you know, enlightened and what's going on and get and build knowledge and to just have knowledge on these topics and these subjects because it could definitely be something that we've talked about tonight that somebody didn't know, you yes, know. Yes, they may have a loved one that is incarcerated and didn't know there was an organization out here that's helping wrongfully incarcerated people, and mm. there are. It could be someone who just ain't been watching the news or on Facebook and didn't know about this young man's murder. But now they know, and they know that there are groups out here that they can join in with to help fight against I Can't Breathe, you know. And uh, I want people to take it serious, and I want people to know this is a serious matter because I have two, I have two young, young black men that are my sons. And I thank God that, you know, they're not here. They're in the U S army, but things can happen to them in there as well, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just say, we all got to stay prayed up. We all got to keep God first. And, um, and we got to join together and be consistent because that is what's going to save us. God's mercy favor and grace that's number one and then we have to put work behind our faith because faith without work is dead and if we say we have faith in god and we say that we have faith in knowing that things will change and things will get better we've got to be willing to get out there and do the work that it takes to make it change and make things better Things are not going to get better just by you waking up in the morning. And we thank God that you do open your eyes and wake up. But when he gives you that blessing, then you need to turn around and pass that blessing on and do something for someone else. Because God has done the best thing in the world for you every day. And that's wake you up for you to see another day. So All with right. that blessing, pass it on and do something for someone else. And um, I want to thank you again for having me on. You're welcome. And, thank um, you for coming. Thank you for coming. And I in. want, well, you're very welcome. And I want everybody to please go to my Facebook page, Francine Mathis. It has things on there that we, that Just Mercy will be doing the next couple of weeks. Please join in with us, you know, giving out the mass and sanitizer for the elder, because we want to keep our lifeline alive. Yes, and our elders is our lifeline, yes, you know. And we want to protect the lifeline. So if you would like to hear more about Just Mercy, uh, you can call me at 850-760-4124. Uh, Francine Mathis, founder and president of that. Uh, vice president is Jamal Jenkins. His brother name is Joe Jenkins, uh, a.k.a. Moosey. And uh, he's the vice president Um uh, we've come together and done some great things over the last couple weeks. 
And I think this trip to Tallahassee in June is going to be very good and awesome. And um, not only will we be protesting there about certain things that's going on, but I don't know if you've heard about the young lady that was a misidentification and the police officer shot her in the back. And they're protesting about that in Tallahassee as well. Um, He said that he thought she was the person and he shot her. Oh, no, I didn't hear you know, about that. I did not hear about it's that. In the back, not in the front, in the back. I did not hear about so that, that means that he had to be chasing her. Mm. Yes. And so, um, you know, over policing, which is what it is. And I know, you know, Bishop Alexander is running for our sheriff in uh, Pensacola. And I'm hoping and praying that he, he gets it. Um, I've had the pleasure of sitting down talking to him on several occasions, and he seemed like he really do get it. He really understands that there are some bad police officers, and there is some over-policing that goes on in Pensacola, and uh, he wants to change that. So uh, I encourage, and I say this from the bottom of my heart, I encourage everybody to vote come August 18th in the primary and in the general election in on November the 2nd. Because the only way we're going to make the change with some of these things is by placing your vote and getting the right people set in place into the, into office. You know, and, and join in with canvassing with some of these candidates. Join in with phone banking. And please don't allow these really huge signs of these people encourage your votes because that's not impressive to me because all that call, all that does is just go pay somebody to make you a big sign and put it up. What's impressive to me is when you get out here and you take that money that you've raised in your campaign and you do something for your district to show them mm. that it's not just about them. It's about the district. Yes. Because if you can't do something for my district before you even you know, get in their seat. What makes me think that you're going to do something when you do get in the seat? Mm-hmm. If you're not out here doing something now, if you're not doing something now, what makes me think you're going to do something later? True, true, true. You know, and then I tell people, don't just do it just because it's voting season. Do it because that's what's in your heart to do. And if it's in your heart to do, you'll do it more than just voting season. Yes, you do it year round. And I tell anybody that attempts to run against me, you better have your receipts ready because I got mine all day long. And I'm ready to pull out and let you know what I've done for my district for the last seven years. I have my receipts, so they better get theirs. And they better know this district as well as I do, which I know they probably don't. Because I'm fighting for a purpose and I'm fighting for a reason. And that is for the people of District 1 and my family and my loved ones and my neighbors, you know, and my teachers that taught me a very good public school education that are now, some of them have suffered cancer, some of them have died because Pine Forest High School, Lone Leaf Elementary, is right in the midst of a landfill. And because these people taught at these schools for so many years, they actually have gotten cancer from drinking the toxic water from the water faucets at the schools, Mm. for coming in and out every day in that area to teach us a very well education. They've gotten sick and they've gotten ill. And if that's happening to adults, what do you think is happening to the kids? They're getting sick, too. (laughs) <laughs> they're getting sick too. So there's a lot of things that need to be done. And I just hope and pray that we join in, keep consistency and keep it going. And let's make a change, not only in Pensacola, but let's let's make a change worldwide. Let's make a change worldwide and try to, and try to, try to be better, try to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, and I'm not trying to persuade anybody's vote because I, I wouldn't do that. But what I will tell you is this, pay attention to who's really out there and to who's really trying to do something for your community. And that's all I'll say about voting. But uh, once again, I want to thank you for having me. 
Yes, um, I know I've covered a lot. I know that. And I know I cover a lot every time I come on here. But it's a lot that needs to be done. Yes, I mean, it really is. Yes, it's a lot that needs to be done. So, uh, once again, I'm Francine Mathis, uh, candidate for State House Representative for District 1. Uh, if you would like to know more about my campaign, call me at the same number, 850-760-4124. Or you can go to my Facebook page. I have a lot of campaign stuff up. Uh, or you can go to francinemathis2020.com, and that's my webpage. Uh, if you would like to know more about Just Mercy, that organization, you can also call me at 850-760-4124. Um, I just want to tell people, when you get a blessing, let's just pass it on. And the more blessings we pass on and then somebody else passed on, um, we will be a blessed town. We'll be a blessed city. Yes, we'll be ma'am. a blessed district, you know? Yes, ma'am. So I, yeah, I, so I thank you so much. I, like I said, I thank you for calling in. You are always welcome at the lunch table. The place is here. The time is now. Tell the people who you are one last time. Uh, my name is Francine. It's Francine Mathis. Mathis. I am... <laughs> Can, can I, you caught me off guard because I was looking at something. <laughs> Francine Mathis, candidate for State House Representative for District 1, also the president and founder of Just Mercy. And what I want to tell everybody is I have one heart, one love for District 1. We can't do this alone. We need your votes. Please get out and vote. Please get out and, and vote for the best candidate. Please get out and canvas and help. And if you want to step in and help out with my campaign, call 760-4124. And y'all have a wonderful night. And thank you so much, young man, for having me. I'll be calling in again. Um, I would love to see, um, I would love to see us do a forum if possible. Uh, and I know he can put that together and, um, if, if he would like to and, and really get some of the views from some of these candidates Let because I think it's important for y'all to know if your issue is their issue, if your problem going to be their problem when they step up into whatever seat that they are trying to get into because if it's not, um, maybe you need to reconsider your votes. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, maybe ma'am. you need to reconsider who you're voting for. Yes, ma'am. So um, once again, I thank you. And y'all have a blessed night. And uh, please contact me about getting together and trying to do a forum because I think it would be a wonderful thing for your listeners. Same here, same here. All right, thank you. Have a good night, Miss Francine. Yes, bye-bye. All right, all right now. Preserve our lineage. Black lives definitely matter. This is the lunch table.